0: story fifteen of christmas with lucy Maud montgomery a selection of stories this librivox recording is in the public domain story fifteen the end of the young family feud a week before christmas aunt jean wrote to elizabeth inviting her and alberta and me to eat our christmas dinner at monk's head we accepted with delight Aunt Jean and Uncle Norman were delightful people, and we knew we should have a jolly time at their house. Besides, we wanted to see Monkshead, where Father had lived in his boyhood, and the old young homestead, where he had been born and brought up, and where Uncle William still lived. Father never said much about it, but we knew he loved it very dearly, and we had always greatly desired to get at least a glimpse of what Alberta liked to call our ancestral halls since monk's head was only sixty miles away and uncle william lived there as aforesaid it may be pertinently asked what there was to prevent us from visiting it and the homestead as often as we wished we answer promptly the family feud father and uncle william were on bad terms or rather on no terms at all and had been ever since we could remember after grandfather young's death there had been a wretched quarrel over the property father always said that he had been as much to blame as uncle william but great aunt emily told us that uncle william had been by far the most to blame and that he had behaved scandalously to father moreover she said that father had gone to him when cooling down time came apologized for what he had said and asked uncle william to be friends again and that william simply turned his back on father and walked into the house without saying a word but as great aunt emily said with the young temper sticking out of every kink and curve of his figure great aunt emily is our aunt on mother's side and she does not like any of the youngs except father and uncle norman this is why we had never visited monkshead we had never seen uncle william and we always thought of him as a sort of ogre when we thought of him at all when we were children our old nurse margaret hannah used to frighten us into good behaviour by saying ominously if yons ain't good your uncle william will cotch what he would do to us when he cotched us she never specified probably reasoning that the unknown was always more terrible than the known my private opinion in those days was that he would boil us in oil and pick our bones uncle norman and aunt jean had been living out west for years three months before this christmas they had come east bought a house in monkshead and settled there they had been down to see us and father and mother and the boys had been up to see them but we three girls had not so we were pleasantly excited at the thought of spending christmas there christmas morning was fine white as a pearl and clear as a diamond we had to go by the seven o'clock train since there was no other before eleven and we reached monkshead at eight thirty when we stepped from the train, the stationmaster asked us if we were the three Miss Youngs. Alberta pleaded guilty, and he said, Well, here's a letter for you, then. We took the letter and went into the waiting-room with sundry misgivings. What had happened? Were Uncle Norman and Aunt Jean quarantined for scarlet fever? Or had burglars raided the pantry and carried off the Christmas supplies? Elizabeth opened and read the letter aloud. It was from Aunt Jean to the following effect dear girls i am so sorry to disappoint you but i cannot help it word has come from streatham that my sister has met with a serious accident and is in a very critical condition your uncle and i must go to streatham immediately and are leaving on the eight o'clock express i know you have started before this so there is no use in telegraphing we want you to go right to the house and make yourself at home. You will find the key under the kitchen doorstep and the dinner in the pantry all ready to cook. There are two mince pies on the third shelf, and the plum pudding only needs to be warmed up. You will find a little Christmas remembrance for each of you on the dining-room table. I hope you will make as merry as you possibly can, and we will have you down again as soon as we come back. Your hurried and affectionate Aunt Jean." we looked at each other somewhat dolefully but as alberta pointed out we might as well make the best of it since there was no way of getting home before the five o'clock train so we trailed out to the station-master and asked him limply if he could direct us to mr norman young's house he was a rather grumpy individual very busy with pencil and notebook over some freight but he favoured us with his attention long enough to point with his pencil and say jerkily Young's, see that red house on the hill? That's it. The red house was about a quarter of a mile from the station, and we saw it plainly. Accordingly, to the red house we betook ourselves. On nearer view, it proved to be a trim, handsome place with nice grounds and very fine old trees. We found the key under the kitchen doorstep and went in. The fire was black out, and somehow things wore a more cheerless look than I had expected to find i may as well admit that we marched into the dining-room first of all to find our presents there were three parcels two very small and one pretty big lying on the table but when we came to look for names there were none evidently angine in her hurry and excitement forgot to label them said elizabeth let us open them we may be able to guess from the contents which belongs to whom i must say we were surprised when we opened those parcels we had known that aunt Jean's gifts would be nice but we had not expected anything like this there was a magnificent stone martin collar a dear little gold watch and pearl chatelaine and a gold chain bracelet set with turquoises the collar must be for you elizabeth because mary and i have one already and aunt Jean knows it said alberta the watch must be for you mary because i have one And by the process of exhaustion, the bracelet must be for me. Well, they are all perfectly sweet. Elizabeth put on her collar and paraded in front of the sideboard mirror. It was so dusty she had to take her handkerchief and wipe it before she could see herself properly. Everything in the room was equally dusty. As for the lace curtains, they looked as if they hadn't been washed for years. And one of them had a long, ragged hole in it. I couldn't help feeling secretly surprised, for Aunt Jean had the reputation of being a perfect housekeeper. However, I didn't say anything, and neither did the other girls. Mother had always impressed upon us that it was the height of bad manners to criticize anything we might not like in a house where we were guests. "'Well, let's see about dinner,' said Alberta, practically snapping her bracelet on her wrist and admiring the effect." we went to the kitchen where elizabeth proceeded to light the fire that being one of her specialties while alberta and i explored the pantry we found the dinner supplies laid out as aunt jean had explained there was a nice fat turkey all stuffed and vegetables galore the mince pies were in their place but they were almost the only thing about which that could be truthfully said for the disorder of that pantry was enough to give a tidy person nightmares for a month i never in all my life saw began alberta and then stopped short evidently remembering mother's teaching where is the plum pudding said i to turn the conversation into safer channels it was nowhere to be seen so we concluded it must be in the cellar but we found the cellar door padlocked good and fast never mind said elizabeth you know none of us really likes plum pudding we only eat it because it is the proper traditional dessert The mince pies will suit us better. We hurried the turkey into the oven, and soon everything was going merrily. We had lots of fun getting up that dinner, and we made ourselves perfectly at home, as Aunt Jean had commanded. We kindled a fire in the dining room and dusted everything in sight. We couldn't find anything remotely resembling a duster, so we used our handkerchiefs. When we got through, the room looked like something, for the furnishings were really very handsome but our handkerchiefs, well. Then we set the table with all the nice dishes we could find. There was only one long tablecloth in the sideboard drawer, and there were three holes in it, but we covered them with dishes and put a little potted palm in the middle for a centerpiece. At one o'clock dinner was ready for us, and we for it. Very nice that table looked, too, as we sat down to it. Just as Alberta was about to spear the turkey with a fork and began carving, that being one of her specialties, the kitchen door opened and somebody walked in. Before we could move, a big, handsome, bewhiskered man in a fur coat appeared in the dining-room doorway. I wasn't frightened. He seemed quite respectable, I thought, and I suppose he was some intimate friend of Uncle Norman's. I rose politely and said, "'Good day.' you never saw such an expression of amazement as was on that poor man's face. He looked from me to Alberta, and from Alberta to Elizabeth, and from Elizabeth to me again, as if he doubted the evidence of his eyes. Mr. and Mrs. Norman Young are not at home, I explained, pitying him. They went to Streatham this morning because Mrs. Young's sister is very ill. "'What does all this mean?' said the big man gruffly. "'This isn't Norman Young's house. It is mine.' i'm william young who are you and what are you doing here i fell back into my chair speechless my very first impulse was to put up my hand and cover the gold watch alberta had dropped the carving knife and was trying desperately to get the gold bracelet off under the table in a flash we had realized our mistake and its awfulness as for me i felt positively frightened margaret hannah's warning of old had left an ineffaceable impression elizabeth rose to the occasion rising to the occasion is another of elizabeth's specialties besides she was not hampered by the tingling consciousness that she was wearing a gift that had not been intended for her we have made a mistake i fear she said with a dignity which i appreciated even in my panic we are very sorry for it we were invited to spend christmas with mr and mrs norman young when we got off the train we were given a letter from them stating that they were summoned away but telling us to go to their house and make ourselves at home the station-master told us that this was the house so we came here we've never been in monkshead so we did not know the difference please pardon us i got off the watch by this time and laid it on the table unobserved as i thought alberta not having the key of the bracelet had not been able to get it off and she sat there crimson with shame as for uncle william there was positively a twinkle in his eye he did not look in the least ogreish well it has been quite a fortunate mistake for me he said i came home expecting to find a cold house and a raw dinner and i find this instead i am very much obliged to you alberta rose went to the mantelpiece took the key of the bracelet therefrom and unlocked it then she faced uncle william mrs young told us in her letter that we would find our christmas gifts on the table so we took it for granted that these things belonged to us she said desperately and now if you will kindly tell us where mr norman young does live we won't intrude on you any longer come girls elizabeth and i rose with a sigh there was nothing else to be done of course but we were fearfully hungry and we did not feel enthusiastic over the prospect of going to another empty house and cooking another dinner wait a bit said uncle william i think since you have gone to all the trouble of cooking the dinner it's only fair you should stay and help to eat it accidents seem to be rather fashionable just now my housekeeper's son broke his leg down at weston and i had to take her there early this morning come introduce yourselves to whom am i indebted for this pleasant surprise we are elizabeth alberta and mary young of green village i said And then i looked to see the ogre creep out if it were ever going to but uncle william merely looked amazed for the first moment foolish for the second and the third he was himself again robert's daughters he said as if it were the most natural thing in the world that robert's daughters should be there in his house so you are my nieces well i'm very glad to make your acquaintance SIT DOWN, AND WE'LL HAVE DINNER AS SOON AS I CAN GET MY COAT OFF. I WANT TO SEE IF YOU'RE AS GOOD A COOK AS YOUR MOTHER USED TO BE LONG AGO. WE SAT DOWN, AND SO DID UNCLE WILLIAM. ALBERTA HAD HER CHANCE TO SHOW WHAT SHE COULD DO AT CARVING, FOR UNCLE WILLIAM SAID IT WAS SOMETHING HE NEVER DID. HE KEPT A HOUSEKEEPER JUST FOR THAT. AT FIRST WE FELT A BIT stiff AND AWKWARD, BUT THAT SOON WORE OFF, FOR UNCLE WILLIAM WAS GENIAL, WITTY, AND ENTERTAINING. Soon, to our surprise, we found that we were enjoying ourselves. Uncle William seemed to be, too. When we had finished, he leaned back and looked at us. I suppose you've been brought up to abhor me and all my works, he said abruptly. Not by father and mother, I said frankly. They never said anything against you. Margaret Hannah did, though. She brought us up in the way we should go through fear of you. Uncle William laughed margaret hannah was a faithful old enemy of mine he said well i acted like a fool and worse i've been sorry for it ever since i was in the wrong i couldn't have said this to your father but i don't mind saying it to you and you can tell him if you like he'll be delighted to hear that you are no longer angry with him said alberta he has always longed to be friends with you again uncle william but he thought you were still bitter against him no no Uh, nothing but stubborn pride said uncle william now girls since you are my guests i must try to give you a good time we'll take the double sleigh and have a jolly drive this afternoon and about those trinkets there they are yours i did get them for some young friends of mine here but i'll give them something else i want you to have these that watch looked very nice on your blouse mary and the bracelet became alberta's pretty wrist very well come and give your cranky old uncle a hug for them uncle william got his hugs heartily then we washed up the dishes and went for our drive we got back just in time to catch the evening train home uncle william saw us off at the station under promise to come back and stay a week with him when his housekeeper came home one of you will have to come and stay with me altogether pretty soon, he said. Tell your father he must be prepared to hand over one of his girls to me as a token of his forgiveness. I'll be down to talk it over with him shortly. When we got home and told our story, father said, thank God, very softly. There were tears in his eyes. He did not wait for Uncle William to come down, but went to Monk's Head himself the next day. In the spring, Alberta is to go and live with Uncle William. She is making a supply of dusters now, and next Christmas we are going to have a grand family reunion at the old homestead. Mistakes are not always bad. End of story fifteen.